In a stadium rich with tradition. We have that here, and it reeks. And when you come in, teams take the field, they can feel it. The lights shine the brightest. Definitely playing at Camp Brandon is one of the best places to play in college football. This is the Cam. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, and the Athletics' Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple. It's a special edition of the camp, signing day edition, or at least the early signing period. That gets underway Wednesday. Badgers expected to sign, well, the 17 guys that they have committed are all expected to sign today, Wednesday, I guess, whenever you're listening to this. And it could potentially be more than that. There's a couple guys still making decisions. There will possibly be guys before the uh, February signing period that uh, will jump on as well, but... These, uh, as we're recording this, it's 17. We're going to be chatting with uh, John McNamara from BadgerBlitz.com coming up here in a little bit. But, Jesse, just wanted to get into a little overview of the class to this point. I mean, right now it's uh, 17 guys from 11 states, uh, a bunch of different positions, but a heavy focus certainly on the offensive line and at linebacker. Uh, rankings have them right now 24-7 composite, which is combined everybody. It has them at 27 in the country, 6th in the Big Ten. 24-7 itself, 25th, ESPN 25th, Rivals has them at 38. Uh, several guys going to be enrolling early, including four-star linebacker Nick Herbig out of Hawaii. Just a big overview picture of it. Right now, it's ranked higher than the class was last year, but it certainly doesn't feel like at least us have the same buzz, and I think we know why that is. Yeah, that's the first thing that stands out to me about this class, and it's not necessarily fair to this group of 2020 commits, but... We're coming off what was perhaps the most exciting class Wisconsin had ever signed at the time. It was the highest ranked class the Badgers had signed in the online ranking era, and it was on the strength of five-star offensive tackle Logan Brown and four-star quarterback Graham Mertz. Brown was the first five-star signee Wisconsin had in 12 years since Josh Oglesby, an in-state offensive lineman, and Graham, obviously the highest-rated quarterback Wisconsin had signed out of high school and someone people had talked about for two years. So you don't have that this year. You have a lot of quality, and that's why they're ranked where they are right now. You still have three four-star prospects, two of which are in-state offensive linemen, Trey Wedig and Jack Nelson, and you mentioned Nick Herbig, who I think is just going to be absolutely huge for this program. He was a great find for them because he had never even visited the Midwest until he came to Wisconsin on his official visit, committed that weekend. That's how impressed he was. What what weekend did he come? Was it... uh... Still. It was back in the summer, so it wasn't. It, it was wasn't, not seventeen degrees. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna show up. He's in one of those early enrollees. He's gonna show up. It's gonna be about ten degrees, and he's gonna be like, "Well, this is not the Midwest I remember." Yeah, and and when I when I talked to him and his family, I, I wrote that. So he's from Honolulu. The average temperature in Honolulu in January is eighty-one degrees, and the average temperature here in Madison is twenty-seven degrees. But look, these these guys are smart enough. You would think to know what they're getting into. Obviously, he had a lot of other opportunities on the West Coast and could have yeah. gone just just about anywhere. Uh, but I think he sees how special Wisconsin is, especially what they can do defensively. Some of the linebackers they've had and the success that they've had where those guys wind up going to the NFL, that appeals to anyone across the country. Well, think about the outside linebackers that they've had. The guys that have started here the last, what, going back to 2014 with, with Schobert and Beagle and then T.J. Watt and then uh, Leon Jacobs and Garrett Dooley and then uh, Andrew Van Ginkle and now Zach Bond. All those guys... Drafted or playing in the NFL, I should say all but one drafted or playing in the NFL. Uh, Garrett Dooley, I believe, still on a practice squad somewhere. But the rest of them drafted and playing. And then you think about this year with Zach Bond rocketed up draft boards, and many have him among the top 50 players 
in this draft. So he's going to go likely in the first two rounds. So he, there's evidence now that coming here and playing outside linebacker is going to get you the NFL. And when I talked to Nick, that's exactly what he said. I think that's important to note that people think of Wisconsin as O-line you or running back you. And, and the, while that's still true. Very much true. The pipeline that they're developing of guys at linebacker that go to the NFL gets on the radar, guys. And, and Nick said he, he grew up and he liked J.J. Watt. And he liked T.J. Watt, which makes me feel old that a kid's growing up and that's who he's watching when we yeah. just saw them a few years ago. But he said he literally said, that's what got Wisconsin on my radar. He said, I, I knew about them going there and the types of players they produced. And the more I looked into it, I saw that they produced a lot of NFL linebackers, especially outside. And so that's a pretty good starting point with a guy who, like I said, could have gone anywhere. And I think he reminds me sort of of a Spencer Lytle from the 2019 class, not necessarily in exactly what their skill set is, but in their story. Spencer came from St. John Bosco in in California. He had 40-plus offers. He picked Wisconsin over Clemson. He was a major find for Wisconsin at outside linebacker. We haven't seen him yet on the field. I think he'll make a, a big impact down the road. But it's the same situation where Herbig, where he had his pick of the litter, he wasn't from the Midwest, and he saw something special in Wisconsin. Yeah, and we mentioned the, the juice, and you talk about Graham Mertz and uh, Logan Brown, both those guys, top 10 commits in all time in terms of you know, I shouldn't say all time, but in the, the recruiting ranking era among Wisconsin uh, commits, according to the 24-7 composite, Herbig, Nel- Wedig, Nelson, all in the top 25. So it's not like, I mean, they've, they've got better overall, I think, throughout the class. It, it I think the class are going to probably end up being ranked about the same uh, if this one may be just a little bit lower, depending on whether they uh, add a few more guys. But those three are, are, are nice headliners. You have, I believe, all three are headed to the the All-American game. Yeah, I know they were all invited, and, and Wedig and Nelson representing for this state. You know, it's easy to say now that Wisconsin just gets the good offensive linemen in the state, but we know that wasn't always the case, but that's been the backbone for the program for so many years. Well, and those yeah. two guys are a little bit different, right? Because obviously Nelson, his father played here, so yep. so they kind of had the in there, and, uh, and he was the first guy to commit in this class way back in 2017. And Trey Wedig, you know, didn't have nearly as much of a connection to Wisconsin in terms of a guy that always wanted to play, like grew up knowing where he wanted to go, but he fell in love pretty quickly. I know you wrote about him today. Um, he fell in love pretty quickly with with Wisconsin, and even after other teams came calling, he stayed true. Yeah, he really did, and he's, he's 6'8", 320, so he's got the size, but the thing that stands out in talking to, to him and his coaches and his parents is that you can have size, but you could do nothing with it. When he was a freshman... He was on the junior varsity team in, at Kettle Moraine High School in Wales, Wisconsin, and even his coach said they didn't even consider the prospect that this is the next great offensive lineman. But he continually developed. He put the work in, and you're right. Wisconsin wasn't necessarily a slam dunk, but the more he looked into it, the more he realized this is a place where I want to be. I think I hear a lot about how much players bond with Joe Rudolph, and I think there really is something to be said for Rudolph's approach uh, and the way that he interacts with players. And you know, he told Trey, the importance of him becoming more of a leader on his high school team, and he took that to heart and became the leader of that group as a senior. But you're right about all these other scholarship offers. He didn't wind up with you know 40 or 50, but I think some of that had to do with he committed very early in his junior year to Wisconsin. But he did get Georgia and Tennessee came in after he committed, yep. and Georgia's offensive line coach Sam Pittman, who's now the head coach at Arkansas called the head coach and, and said, is there any chance that, that we can get him? And the same thing with Greg Madison, who was at Michigan, who went to Ohio State, and he came in and said, hey, now that I'm Ohio, I'm at Ohio State, can we get him? And Trey was steadfast. I thought the best story from the, the, the piece that I wrote was USC uh, hit, uh, offensive line coach Tim Drevno 
flew all the way in just to see him for like a day trip. And the way that uh, Justin Gum, his, his head coach, uh, relayed the story was like Trey was completely unimpressed. He just he didn't really care that much about all these other schools. He didn't know that much about them, and he didn't want to know that much about them because he was set on Wisconsin. He cared more. He cares. I think it was. I think uh, cared more about playing than than watching. I think that maybe that goes into that where he's not really concerned about what happens like on TV and like it didn't really matter. It matters like his experience and his experience on the field, and it cared more about playing than than uh, what had been there before. You know, and that works in Wisconsin's favor too, uh, certainly because of Joe Rudolph, as you mentioned. But those three guys are the are the headliners, but they're not the only obviously talented players in the class. But before we get into that, the class was built by the entire staff. But as recent as five years ago, they had a recruiting coordinator that was like an assistant coach. I remember the running backs coach Thomas um, Hammock. Tom uh, Thomas Hammock, yes, but also Thomas Thomas Brown. Thomas Brown was like the recruiting coordinator, and it was like a huge, huge deal that he was a recruiting coordinator when he left. You know, he went to Georgia, and it was like a big deal that Wisconsin had lost him. At this point, though, the coach, the assistant coaches, no longer asked to do that. That is not their position. Wisconsin went out like a lot of schools and hired a director of player personnel. Right, and his name is uh, Saeed Khalif, and he's got a staff, and they handle the initial recruiting aspect of it. They handle the all the putting information together. And you wrote a, a great story about what that role has become, what, how important it has become for Wisconsin and for college football in general. But really, at Wisconsin, it's a significant change from what it was before. And honestly, Zach, it's hard for me to believe that only five years ago there were programs that didn't have someone in charge of the recruiting operations because it is a beast unto itself. Right. When you're an assistant coach, you've got to deal with coaching the actual players. And I thought it was interesting that Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator, brought that up. He said, you know, when we're in the season, we have to focus on these guys, but at the same time, someone's got to be talking to these kids that we're recruiting because if we're not talking to them, someone else is. And that's why having someone like Saeed Khalif come in and have his staff come in has been so valuable. He was a defensive lineman at Georgia Tech in the 1980s. He was actually a football coach. He was a defensive coordinator at Savannah State, and and the coaching staff got fired in 2013. He wound up using some of those connections from Georgia Tech to land a position uh, in the recruiting department as an assistant director of recruiting at Georgia Tech. And in four years, he got to a point where there was an opening for the head position at Wisconsin. He got the job. And I thought it was interesting because of the, the steps that they take to get these players there's databases everywhere, right? right. 4,000 to 8,000 kids. And he's got systems that narrow narrow down based on these certain criteria, height, weight, how fast you are. And he's looking at a ton of film. And he's got all these criteria. He used some of the eggheads at, at uh, Georgia Tech. Is that right? To, 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 That's what he says. That's yeah, what he says. Apparently, to, to put together this this database and put together these this thing to narrow these guys down. And he talks about everyone. There's basically six position-specific traits. Uh, some of them are you know, the same across the board, like flexibility or height, weight, speed, but it depends on the position. But he's talking about they count how many broken tackles a running back has, the way a wide receiver will catch the ball. Is he is he cradling the ball and like falling on the ground or is he making yards after he catches the pass? And once he comes up with these evaluations, he he pushes them to his his assistants. So Jensen Gebhardt is in charge of the offensive guys and Warren Herring, who used to play here, is in charge of the defensive guys. And they do write-ups based on the film. And so at this point, they've got a pretty good picture of who's good, who fits into the Wisconsin picture. Only then do they go to the assistant coaches or the head coach or whoever at that position and say, do you like this guy? And they do not bring up star ratings. They do not bring up who else has offered them. All they want to know is, do you like him 
or do you not like him? And if they like him, they keep recruiting him. And then Saeed really dives into the background. What's this kid background? Uh, could he qualify academically? Because we know that had been an issue under the Gary Anderson regime, which was short-lived. But they were just going out and offering guys that couldn't get in here academically. They offered, it felt like 200 guys a year, if not more. It was insane. And it's like and a lot of guys, some guys had never heard of Wisconsin before, like in terms of they'd never even talked to people and they got an offer. And I think that makes a huge difference. You can you only have so many hours in a day to go recruit people. I feel like it's sort of fruitless to recruit people that you have a sense can't get into Wisconsin. And so they've changed that direction. I think that's made a substantial difference. And then it's all about communication. Saeed is on Twitter. He's constantly direct messaging with these guys and talking to them and making sure they're good and wanting to make sure they're comfortable. And then when they do visit, I think he lays out what makes Wisconsin so special. And, and you hear this a lot when people talk about Wisconsin's program. There's really no BS. Like, when you come here, they're not going to lie to you and say this is what's going to happen when you're here. Saeed even told me, he tells the kids, you have to go to class here, you have to get degrees, the weather is cold, but it makes our guys tougher. And if you're on board and you want to be a part of that, then come join us. But if this isn't for you, then we're not interested. And I think that really helps them narrow down players. And I think it helps them get some other guys that that maybe wouldn't have considered Wisconsin because they see that the Badgers are doing things a little bit differently and they want to be a part of that. They do, and it's it's a significant, it's a huge, huge process for them to put together a class, and it's not just this class, right? I mean, it's it's putting together 2021, it's looking into 2022. This is a process that is year round. Like even if they'll sign on, they'll sign Wednesday, and Wisconsin's obviously already got, I think six or I think seven guys uh, committed in the 2021 class ready. I'm sure they are working on 2022. It's just a huge thing that I I agree with you. Like, how did anybody do this? and coach a position at the same time. It seems impossible because you're right, it never ends. Even this, in the last week since we last talked, they've got two more commitments in the 2021 class with right. Brian Sanborn, the inside linebacker, who's the younger brother of Jack Sanborn. Uh, and then I'm going to butcher his last name. So A.O. Let you do it. AO out of Bogan, yeah. but he's, he's a defensive lineman who projects as an outside linebacker. He's, he's an in-state player. He committed Sunday. So you know, it never ends. Yeah. And and that's, you have to have somebody that is on all the time. And you can't expect your assistant coaches to be in that role when they've got to coach their own players. All right, a little uh, sold or not sold here. At least one player in this class will end up not redshirting. Oh, I'm sold, but I don't know who it is. And that's the thing. Like, I could not look, I couldn't, going through that list of 17 guys, like, I can't pick a guy and say, yep, that one's going to for sure. Because so many guys of the 2019 class did not play. And so you're going to have, like, there's so many guys there that I think are going to play and have roles. I don't know where the rest of these guys fit in. Herbig would seem like a guy potentially, but I don't know of anybody else, like, unless they're going to play special teams. Like, there's not a whole lot of spots to fill in at the, at, at the positions where they have a lot of guys. Offensive line, defensive line, linebacker. But here's where it's so tough is because we have no idea how these guys are going to develop between now and when the season starts. We have no idea what's going to happen at these particular positions we we have a general sense based right. on who's coming back. But at this time last year, I never would have said, not in a million years, Keanu Benton is going to be the guy that comes out of this class and has the type of impact that he does. He was the second lowest rated player in that class, which I think should tell you a lot about why you don't need to read into the star ratings. A lot of times, the lower rated guys play a ton. But was it, that, that was also a position of need, though. Like it was. When you, when you had lost the guys that you lost and you're moving Caden Lyles back to offensive line and... Really, it's Bryson Williams, and that's it. And without Bryson Williams' injury, I don't know that Keanu Benton plays as much as he does, obviously. It turned out to be great for Wisconsin, but like, just looking at the positions where they are going, where they have holes, 
where they have where they're losing guys and need guys to fill in. Inside linebacker, I, I guess. Outside linebacker, perhaps. I mean, running back, like those would be like the three spots that you would say. And I don't see anybody here that's jumping out saying, "Yeah, that's going to be they're going to jump in there." Yeah, I think I would agree. There is no running back for starters in 2020, which I know we'll get into, especially when we talk to John, uh, why that is the case. But I think there's going to be some opportunity at outside linebacker, like you said. But I also wonder, will Spencer Lytle be a guy that makes that jump because he's got a year in this program? Like He strikes me as someone who could potentially crack the two deep. But you've still got Isaiah Isaiah Green May, who probably didn't have the year that he anticipated. The injury certainly didn't help. But I think he can step in. I think Jalen Franklin can step in. You still got Noah Burks, and maybe it is someone like Nick Herbig, but that's what's so unpredictable. And I think also this this redshirt rule that allows you to play in four games is so beneficial too. Well, that's the other thing. That's why I mean end up not redshirt. I didn't say end up uh, at least one player in this class will play. Yeah, I think guys will play. I just don't know if they get all the way uh, to the point where you're playing over four games. I think someone will though. Okay. They're, they're, so I just don't know who it is, but yeah. you know, you've got 17 guys. There's going to be someone that flashes at a position that they just say he's too good. We got to play him. Yeah, uh, sold or not sold. You mentioned this before, but sold or not sold, it's not a big deal that Wisconsin doesn't have a running back in this class so far. Uh, I think it is a deal. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I would say not sold. It yeah. Is a, it is a big deal. It, it is, especially when you consider that you're losing one of the all-time great running backs, not just at Wisconsin, but in college football, and you're not bringing someone in right now. Now I think. As we look at it, you say, well, you've got Nakia Watson, who's probably going to be the one I think that's asked to step into the role to carry 20-plus times a game based on the reps he got this year. Yeah. Julius Davis is the wild card to me because we don't know what he's going to look like when he's healthy. Right. When he was healthy in high school, he was dominant. If he could be that guy, that could be really special. But this is a program that prides itself on running the ball and having a featured guy who carries 20-plus times and they don't have someone in this class. They pursued a lot of guys. I still think they will get someone. I really do because the next signing period is in February. I think they're going to narrow it down and find yeah. someone. But but you don't want to just take a guy. Too. No, you don't. But I don't think they're just going to take someone to take him either. But they did that a few years ago with the, the kid out of Illinois. Um, Sam Brodner. Sam Brodner. Like it, was, it got late, and they wanted to run him back, and they took him. And it felt... Eh, that was kind of a, I'm not going to call it a waste of scholarship. He obviously got hurt. I don't know if he ever would have had an impact if he didn't uh, tear his ACL like he did, but that, that felt like a throwaway. Well, he, yeah, he was awesome. I mean, he, I think he was the Gatorade player of the year in the state. Like yeah. he put up a ton of yards. It just, it wasn't, a, it didn't seem like it was ever going to be something that was going to work out well at Wisconsin. Now, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, it's hard to, it's hard to project right. what would have happened, but yeah, yeah, for sure. They've got, they do have two running backs in the bank here for 2021. So and I, I that's think the there's thing. something to be said for that. Now, they're both in-state guys. They got on them early. Jackson Aker was somebody. He's he's from Verona, so so nearby. They offered him a scholarship he hadn't even carried 100 times in high school. I yeah. think he's going to prove to be uh, a very good player. But they went on him early and then Loyal Crawford from Eau Claire. So if, if you can handle this gap year without someone in the 2020 class, I think they'll be okay. But... Again, it begs the question, like, why doesn't Wisconsin, of all places, have a guy at that position right now? Looking forward to asking John that, because it just doesn't make any sense with, with as much success as Wisconsin backs have had in college, why you wouldn't want to, if you were a top back and wanted to have an opportunity to carry the ball as much as to show what you got, you would think Wisconsin would be a nice place to come. In that same vein, or not in that same vein, in that same idea of why don't they have a player here, it's not a big deal that Wisconsin doesn't have a quarterback in this class. 
Yeah, I, it is not to me in any way. So you're uh, sold on that. I, yeah, I'm sold on that. They they offered three quarterbacks early. They didn't get any of them. Tyler Van Dyke went to Miami. Max Johnson went to LSU, and Parker McCorry went to UCLA, and that was really it. They've got Graham Mertz. He's getting his redshirt year. He'll still have four years. You've got Jack for one more season next year. And you've already got your quarterback for 2021 with Deacon Hill, who his body type has been compared to a Brent Ben Roethlisberger because he's like 6'4", 6'5", 220, and, and still has a year of high school left. Yeah. So I, th- I, really, I think the future is bright for Wisconsin at quarterback, not only because of Graham. And by the way, they still have Chase Wolf, who I, I you know, never want to forget about him based on what we've seen. So... I don't think you need five quarter five scholarship quarterbacks on a roster. Is it good to have a quarterback in every class? Yeah, but like to, is, to me, yeah. to me, I'm just not all that concerned because you've got Graham for four years, right. and then you've got someone else coming in in 2021 already. I kind of operate on the theory. Uh, Ron Wolf, the former Green Bay Packers general manager, would take quarterback every draft. It wasn't a guy who was gave me the first round, but like sixth or seventh. Yeah, I mean, you you get a guy every time just in case. Because you just never know, and uh, it worked out there. Now that's a little bit different, obviously. But this, in this, because you're not giving up a scholarship, you're just giving a draft pick. And if you don't like the guy, you can cut him. You don't do that with this. But yeah, assuming everyone stays, you don't have anybody leaving or transferring. It, it's four four scholarship QBs again next year, uh, and then you'll have Deacon Hill coming in, and it'll be four again. Yeah, and that's uh, why I don't think it's a problem because it's not like this is Jack's senior year and you're losing him, and you've only got three quarterbacks after this. You've got all four there again for another year. Yeah. And this is not a sold or not sold, just just talking out loud. Seven in-state kids tied for the most since 2014. Was this just a really good year for, for in-state talent in Wisconsin? Because you usually don't – even with Paul Chris and all these Badgers on this staff, you don't see a ton of Wisconsin guys uh, in this program in terms of scholarship guys every year pouring yeah, in. I think it just happened to be a really deep class because they got they got the top four guys in the state. And I think all of them are going to contribute at some point. We already mentioned Wedding and Nelson. They're as good as anyone in the country. That's why they're four-star players and they're going to the All-American Bowl. Cole Dokovich, I thought, was a really good pickup uh, outside linebacker. He could play a number of different positions. But if they wanted to put him at tight end, they probably could. He had a monster uh, junior season after not playing football his first couple of years. And Chimre DK was the first wide receiver that, that they got on board in the class. And you and then you wound up with uh, you know Ben Barton, who's another offensive lineman, and Tanner Bordellini and Cade McDonald. So I think it just happened to be one of those years where they were very deep. They're not going to give seven scholarships out to in-state kids every year. They're going to go get the best players they can. It's an added bonus when they're from the state because those guys generally want to play for the Badgers. Yeah. Uh, among the other early enrollees, whether it's Preston Zachman or Aaron Witt or Cam Large, along with Nick Herbig, any of those guys stand out as potential guys could help you right away? Tight end, maybe? Yeah. With, with Cam Large? I think I, I that was my bad when we talked about it earlier. A tight end might be a position, too, because you have Clay Cundiff and you have uh, no, uh, Hayden Rucci to go along with. We'll see what happens with Ben Shaw coming back from that injury, and then also Jake Ferguson. You have those four, maybe. He would he would have been the one that I would have mentioned just because of what his talent appears to be and the position of need <laughs> that he could meet because he got— Talking about guys that we don't they, they don't talk about offers like uh, when they go and talk to coaches, but his offer list and the guys yeah. that, the ones that he selected him right. from, based on his offer list, you would have thought he would have been better than a three star <laughs> recruit. But and maybe that'll be adjusted at some point. I don't know. But he had nearly thirty offers, and you mentioned some of those offers. But the other teams he got offered Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. I mean, that that finalists, is weren't they? That is pretty darn good. So he's six five two forty. At least that's what he's listed at. You never know what they wind up with when they come in here. But that's very true. But I do think that he could be someone to watch, especially at that position, because they absolutely need it. Jake Ferguson was forced to do everything this year without much help. 
All right, time to welcome in BadgerBlitz.com's John McNamara. John, how's it going? Uh, busy time for you, usually at this time of year, though. I think the last few classes a little bit uh, quieter around this time. Yeah, the, the early signing day has been, um, I think, beneficial for Wisconsin, and it's it's kind of been drama-free, and I'm sure that's the way Paul Christmas staff uh, want things to go around this time of year. Uh, we'll start with uh, going some of the things that me and Jesse were talking about earlier in the show, and that was uh, both the quarterback and running back spot. Starting with the running back spot, Wisconsin does not have a running back in this class, in this 2020 class. Now, they do have two coming up in 2021, but how big of a concern is it for Wisconsin that they don't have a running back right now? Do they have any prospects for getting one? And do you see any guys that stand out that potentially could be those guys? Yeah, you know, I I think that if you start with it, running back's a position that Wisconsin can recruit at a national level, and I think there's a group of fans who follow recruiting who you know, are a little antsy at this point, uh, especially with a guy like Jonathan Taylor and the success that he's have. Um, you know, fans are wondering why can't Wisconsin get a guy, uh, you know, at, at this point in the recruiting calendar. Um, you know, to answer that question, they could have. I think they're just going for guys uh, th- that are, you know, pretty high-level uh, recruits across the country. Uh, you, know, look at, you look at Jalen Berger to start with. He, uh, he is not expected uh, to announce tomorrow, which is Wednesday, uh, but his decision is, is expected to come at the U.S. Army All-American Bowl. Uh, Wisconsin's up there. UCLA is there, and Rutgers is there. You know, the feeling right now is that Rutgers might have the inside track, especially after uh, they hired Shiano, and who had a previous connection there. Uh, you know, to New Jersey and, and to Jalen Berger as well. Uh, if you go beyond him, it's, it's Kevontre Bradford, who will definitely not sign tomorrow. Uh, he's taking an official visit to Wisconsin. Also, has taken an official visit to Ohio State. But it sounds like the Buckeyes are kind of fading in his recruitment. Uh, they already have a, at least two running backs that they're planned to sign tomorrow. Uh, so, you know, he's a guy that potentially after signing day, after the early period that Wisconsin could uh, wind up with in, in February. Um, you know, beyond that, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think those are the two you know, biggest targets Wisconsin has at running back right now. But uh, after the dust settles tomorrow, you know, there could be some names out there, either guys who haven't signed or guys who are new to their board. So, It'll be interesting to see what happens in terms of how many scholarships they have remaining and if, if they still have uh, you know room for a running back in this class. John, you said Wisconsin could have potentially gotten some running backs but opted to pursue maybe a higher caliber player at that position. Can you provide any insight on guys that they you feel like they could have gotten that they didn't or, or didn't pursue or went elsewhere? Yeah, you know, that's a question that comes up on our message board a lot. And like, like, like I said, you know, they – if, if Wisconsin wanted a running back in this class, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys who they could have got. Um, you know, you look, you look at a kid right now that's committed to Virginia Tech, Jalen Brunson, who, you know, they, they were in talks with. Uh, they decided not to get up on campus for an official visit. I just think that, you know, they're not in a position where they absolutely need someone in, the, in this class. Uh, you know, I think they're swinging for some, for, for some bigger fish out there, like, like we talked about with Jalen Berger, Kevontae Bradford. So, it, you know, unless they hit on one of their, their high-level, top-tier guys, they're not going to force something in this 2020 class, especially with, like you mentioned, uh, they have some guys who are already locked up in, in 2021 at the position. The other position we talked about in wondering, you know, there's no guy there, was quarterback. And I know they didn't uh, go heavy after guys in this class, but is there any concern on your part that they didn't uh, try and get a, a quarterback in this class or was four scholarship guys plus Deacon Hill coming in next year okay? Well, yeah, they're, they're a little thin there. And, you know, you mentioned Deacon Hill. They've told him that he's going to be the only scholarship guy they take in 2021. And, 
obviously there's a long way to go there and things could change, but um, you know, they're, they're kind of thin there right now with, in terms of the, the amount of scholarships guys that they have there. Um, you know, they went into this class looking at a few guys, you know, Parker McQuarrie, um, who ended up committing to UCLA, uh, Tyler Van Dyke, who ended up uh, at Miami. And then there was a kid early in the process too, uh, who committed to LSU. So, you know, they had like three pretty big targets that I think they all had a pretty legit, uh, legit shot at all three of those guys were on campus, but, uh, none of them ended up committing to Wisconsin. So I think, again, they looked at it and said, you know, we don't necessarily need to force something here. You know, I, I think they like the future of the position. Obviously, Jack Cohn has one more year. Uh, Graham Mertz redshirted this year. And then Chase Wolf as well is, is a guy that, you know, they, they like quite a bit. So uh, I think they were just saying to themselves, if we can get one of our top-tier guys, we'll take him. But we don't necessarily need to force something. So, um, you know, if this class kind of shakes out as, as you expect it to be, uh, they're not going to take a scholarship quarterback. And I think the last time that happened – uh, was the class that had Joel Stave uh, coming as a preferred walk-on. Zach and I were talking earlier about how this class doesn't have quite the same feel as the one a year ago because of the firepower that the Logan Brown and the Graham Mertz signings brought with them, and yet this group, as of now at least, is ranked higher. What's your overall assessment of this class and what Wisconsin has been able to put together in 2020? Yeah, I think you're right in terms of the star power. You know, you mentioned Logan Brown, Graham Mertz. Uh, you know, they, they had some guys at the top of that list who were big-time national pr- uh, prospects. Uh, you know, not so much in this class, although a guy, you know, like Trey Wedig, uh, the in-state kid from Kettle Moraine, you know, he was very heavily recruited, you know, obviously made an early commitment to Wisconsin. But there were schools, you know, in the SEC that continued to follow up with him. Uh, they went out to Hawaii to get a guy like Nick Herbig, who we have as a four-star kid. Uh, you know, he would have had his choice of, you know, all the Pac-12 schools. Um, so, you know, there there is some star power up top, but... You know, I think if you look at this class, you look at two big positions of need. You know, one was the offensive line. I think they did a great job there. Um, you know, we mentioned Wedig, uh, a guy like Jack Nelson from in-state as well. Uh, Dylan Barrett they got from Illinois. Ben Barton, another in-state kid. And Tanner Bordellini, another in-state kid. So I think they did a really good job of solidifying that. And then if you look at the current roster, a position that's really thin right now is middle linebacker. I thought they did a really good job. Uh, they got Malik Reed, uh, a kid from Arizona, and then Jordan Turner as well. Uh, a really high upside kid from Michigan who had, you know, 30 plus offers and they went into the state of Michigan and got him. So um, I think those guys are going to come in and compete for time right away. Those two middle, uh, two middle linebackers. And like I said, offensive line, middle linebacker, I think two positions of need. I think Wisconsin did a pretty good job of addressing that in 2020. We were talking about earlier in the, in the show about guys potentially who could come in and play right away. And I asked Jesse, you know, sold or not sold at least one guy, from this class will not redshirt next year and he said he said uh, sold on that like at least one guy is going to play but we don't know who it's going to be like who in your mind is the guy that's going to end up being not not even an impact player but a guy who doesn't that plays in at least four games like who who is that guy for you yeah that, that's a really good question because you know you look at this past year and they they had what two guys who were going to burn their red shirt and Keanu Benton and Leo Chanel um, you know, if you look at this class, it could come from a number of different places. You know, physically, Malik Reed looks like a guy who could pl- uh, play right away, uh, at least on special teams, and you know, potentially, you know, getting some, some reps at inside linebacker. I think he's physically ready to play. Um, you know, position need to is tight end. Could a guy like Cam Large come in, especially if he enrolls early? Uh, you know, physically, he looks like he's maybe a little bit more ahead of the curve. You know, in, in terms of the other guys that they have committed in this class. Um, but, you know, I think Wisconsin's done a, a pretty good job on the current roster of, you know, filling some spots where, you know, they're not in a position where they absolutely need a true freshman to come in and contribute right away. But, you know, a guy like Malik Reed potentially, 
maybe Cam Large. But again, if you if you look at that list right now, uh, you know there's not a guy, at least in my opinion, that just says, "Hey, he's going to for sure play as a true freshman because they have a huge need there." John, I was looking through all the classes that Wisconsin has signed in this online ranking era, and at least according to the 24/7 Sports composite, this is the first time that Wisconsin will have signed at least three players that were four stars or higher in consecutive classes. Uh, I know they don't go out and get 12 four stars and three five stars like Ohio State, but it does seem like they're starting to get a higher caliber player. In your estimation, do you get that sense as well? Is Wisconsin sort of not necessarily turning the corner, but changing its approach in any way to get some higher caliber kids? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know that the the approach is changing, um, but like I said, I think Wisconsin does a really good job of of evaluating guys early and you know getting guys on campus early and really starting that process early and identifying guys uh, maybe earlier than other schools do. And, you know that is certainly helping. You know you build the relationships of guys. You know not to go back to twenty twenty or um, twenty nineteen class, but you know that's how they got Graham Mertz and that's how they got Logan Brown and. You know, it, it helps when you have kids in your own backyard, too. And if you look at that in the 2020 class, you know, Jack Nelson and Trey Whiting are two in-state kids that are able to lock up. So it helps when you have that type of talent in your own backyard. But, you know, to go out and get a guy like, like Nick Herbig was big. Um, you know, he was a guy that didn't have a connection to Wisconsin, but, you know, they were, they were on him early. Uh, they made him a, a priority early, and they got him on campus in the summer, and they were able to lock him up. So um, I, I don't think the philosophy has changed. But I do think that there's an uptick in recruiting, and you know the, the evidence is there in the rankings. And, and I think they're bringing in two really good classes back to back. If you look at 2019 and 2020, and even if you go beyond that to 2021, they have a really, really good start in that class. I think the foundations laid for that to be a really another uh, another really good group for Wisconsin as well. John, I don't think a lot of people saw Keanu Benton coming in and, and making an impact right away, or you know maybe as big of an impact as he did. But is there a guy? of these 17 that isn't standing out to a lot of people that could potentially be an under-the-radar guy that makes makes an impact, a, a guy that's underrated at this point? You can make a case for, for a few. Um, you know, a guy like Preston Zachman, uh, a kid from Pennsylvania, a really good multi-sport athlete uh, who Wisconsin got on campus uh, in the summer, uh, kind of lightly recruited. Uh, a spot opened up late, and, they, and then they made sure to, to get it a point to him that they wanted him to be part of this class, and they locked him up. So, um, he's a guy, he's going to come in as an athlete. I, I think he winds up at linebacker, but if you talk about a lightly recruited guy who could have some pretty big upside, I think it's Preston Zachman. Um, in terms of a guy that you know, I don't think that people are talking about enough is, is Chimery DK from, from Waukesha North. Um, I had a chance to see him you know, a few times in the last couple of years. Um, you know, I think he's the most talented receiver to come out of the state uh, in, in at least the last 10 years. Um, you know, a guy who played both ways this year from North, um, once he really focuses on just wide receiver, uh, I think he could be a big-time weapon for Wisconsin. I think he's got big upside. Um, you know, another guy who plays, I think, four sports at Waukesha North. So, you know, once he really focuses on a football, uh, I think he's got big upside potential and could be a, definitely a playmaker for Wisconsin on the offensive side of the ball. One player we haven't talked much about uh, who's pretty highly regarded is another in-state kid in Cole Dokovich. He didn't play high school football his first couple of years and then had a huge junior season. What, what do you see out of him? Where does he project? What type of impact can a kid like that make? Yeah, you know, when Wisconsin offered, I think the thought was that he'd play outside linebacker. Um, we actually talked to Cole earlier today, and the plan, you know, really since the summer then is for him to play tight end. You know, he's a big kid, you know, six foot four, six foot five. Uh, you know, probably would be 240 pounds, 245 pounds when he gets on campus. 
um, you know, that, that's a position of need, and, you know, that's where he'll be kind of pegged to play when he gets there. Um, really athletic, like you mentioned, didn't play football, was a basketball player for a long time, uh, played football as a junior, and, his, you know, the, the story kind of goes from there. Uh, his recruitment blew up, and Wisconsin locked him up early. So um, a good athlete. He'll play tight end. You know, he's there with Cam Large, and I think that's that's a pretty nice one-two punch to have in the 2020 class at tight end. Uh, we've seen an uptick in terms of guys enrolling early and coming in. How many of these guys are coming in early, do you think? Um, you know, that still kind of uh, remains to be seen, but um, Cam Large has talked about enrolling early, Preston Zachman as well. Um, I know that Jack Nelson is is looking to enroll early as well. You're kind of having to look at the current roster and who's leaving and who uh, is kind of opening up spots for spring camp. But uh, off the top of my head, Dylan Barrett is another guy that's going to as well. So I think those four. Um, but again, I don't. I'm not positive uh, just off the top of my head who's going to enroll early. All right, John. Hey, appreciate uh, your your time, and uh, we. I guess we'll talk next year. No, I'm just kidding. No, we'll we'll we'll, we'll catch up uh, between now and then, and then talk a little basketball recruiting at some point with the swing. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, there he is, John McMara, the uh, editor at BadgerBlitz.com. All right, uh, I thought we'd close uh, the episode. We've I think we've gotten into pretty much everything we we can with this class. So I thought we'd close a little bit with uh, some other news and notes, uh, specifically the Heisman Trophy. It went to Joe Burrow who obviously deserved it. Uh, he was fantastic this year. Uh, but uh, Jonathan Taylor, not among the finalists, not among the guys that got to go to the Heisman ceremony in New York. They cut it off at four guys. Those four guys, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, uh, Chase Young, and Jalen Hurts. So you have those four guys. And there was a pretty significant drop-off in the votes between Chase Young and Jonathan Taylor. But if you go by what you think, where you just take the top five guys no matter what, Jonathan Taylor would have gotten to go to the Heisman ceremony. You wrote a pretty um, a nice article, or a nice, I guess, a thought piece, think piece, on uh, what exactly you feel about Jonathan Taylor being left off. And there were a lot of people upset with it, and the fact that he has over 6,000 yards and did not go to New York once. Yeah, I think it's really a shame that he didn't have an opportunity to be a Heisman Trophy finalist. And what I wrote is... It is not a participation trophy to be a finalist. That is not what I am suggesting. But I do think that some common sense should prevail here in, in the fact that Jonathan finished fifth in the voting and the way the Heisman Trust does it, and I understand why they do it this way, is they take the total number of votes, the point totals, and if you're in third place and you're reasonably close to second place, you go. If you're in fourth place and you're close to third place, you go. If you're in fifth place and you're close to fourth place, you go. Well, as we know, Jonathan wasn't particularly close to fourth place, which wound up being Chase Young. Chase finished with 643 points. Jonathan had 189 points. But my argument is that they should have five go every year because they have three sometimes. They've had six in 2013, and a number of occasions in the last two decades, they've had five. I think it would have been a great opportunity for, for Jonathan to be honored for his work. And what he did this year stands on its own merit. He has 1,909 yards. That's second in the country. He has 26 total touchdowns. That is first in the country. I thought he should have been there. And I, what I also say is nobody that went there that wasn't named Joe Burrow thought they were going to win. Right, exactly. That's he the ran point. away with the thing. Yeah, that's the point. Like anybody, everyone that was a finalist knew they were not going to win other than Joe Burrow. Everyone knew going into it. So if you're only going to take the guys that have a shot to win, well, there was only one guy that had a shot to win, and, and yet you took you took four guys. So, I mean, it's I understand the voting aspect of it, but if you want to cut 
the cutoff, <laughs> Joe Burrow way up here, and everybody else way here, and then Jonathan Taylor here. Why even take the other three guys? And I think I, I, I don't, know why they did. But. I don't think this is going to happen, but I wish that they would allow Heisman voters to vote for five players instead of three because there are more than three worthy candidates. And I think now that it's over, we can share who we voted for, and we probably had the same order, I'm guessing. But I went with Joe Burrow, number one, Justin Fields, number two, and Jonathan Taylor, number three, because I felt he deserved to be there. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hurts, fantastic player, 13 turnovers this season. Chase Young was the best defensive player in college football. There's no question about it. He also didn't do very much in the Big Ten Championship game, and he was also suspended for two games this year. You can debate the merits of whether that should matter. But Jonathan played every game, and he showed up for every game other than one game against Ohio State, and he came back and performed extremely well in the Big Ten Championship. So that's what sold me on him being third. But even in past years, and this is one thing I don't understand. In 2016, if you look at the the Heisman votes, the way it went, they invited five players. Lamar Jackson ran away with that Heisman vote. He had 2,144 points. Third place was Baker Mayfield with 361. They still invited Dede Westbrook from Oklahoma and Jabril, Prepper, Jabril Peppers from Michigan, easy for me to say, 209 points, 208 points. Those guys weren't anywhere close to the top. Yeah. And so that's why I, I feel like it's incongruent a little bit that sometimes you've got these guys that shouldn't necessarily be there. But in the, in the end, Jonathan should have been, been there. It's a shame he wasn't. He would never say that. And in fact, when we talked to him, he did not feel outraged yeah. that, that he wasn't there. He's the Doak Walker Award winner for his second straight year, but he should have been recognized on that stage. He was an outraged, and he... And I know that we, in talking to Tyler Biotish, who was also who, who was asked about that, and he was surprised and disappointed or upset. I don't, I don't know what the, the exact term was, but then we went. Asked, Jonathan was asked, you know, he heard Tyler, we heard Tyler. He said he was pretty upset about it, and, and Jonathan's well, he's or pretty upset that you weren't there, that you deserved to be there. And he's like, well, Tyler's, you know, pretty uh, biased one direction. <laughs> you know, it's like he's got he's got some bias to him, and I I understand that, but he deserved. I mean, he did obviously. Have a great season. I, as you, Burrow, Fields, Taylor. I know uh, he got got six first place votes. So somebody voted him first place. I know that, uh, and talking to a couple other people that from Wisconsin that uh, that voted had him second. So I think that there 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 was enough support around here for him. So everyone upset with Heisman voters probably you can just keep us out of it. That's that'd be nice. Uh, the other, I guess, non news aspect of it is neither him nor Tyler really wanted to talk about the next phase of their career. We all believe that the Rose Bowl is going to be their last game as Badgers, but both of them uh, kind of pushed it off. Tyler said, I'm approaching this game as the last game of the 2019 season. That's how I'm facing it. That's what it's uh, that's what it's all about. And and Jonathan Taylor went the same route and pretty much said the exact same thing. The only difference between the two is one admitted that he had put his name in for the draft advisory. The other one said he had no idea about it. Do we believe that he had no idea what the draft advisory is? Uh, Jonathan draft, draft, draft advisory committee. Jonathan Taylor said that. I don't know. He did seem I, he doesn't, sort of surprised, but I'm not sure if he was just withholding some information I, there. Is that like I've never experienced that with him before? Like he usually just gives you an answer, like the the PC answer, like he did when he asked if it was his final game, and he said, you know, it's all about Oregon. That's such a great team. We have to be focused on that. Like if he knew, if he didn't know what the, or if he knew what the advisory committee was, he could just been like, yeah, I'm not focused on. I'm just focused on this and that, and I. It's more news that he didn't know what it was than him saying, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I have no doubt whatsoever that both these guys are gone. Yeah. And I, I, I think I just we're interested in the answer. I almost feel like the guy's going to be a late first round pick probably. You really, what evaluation do you need from a committee? You know you you're don't. gone. You've, he's accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish outside of winning a Big Ten championship, competing for a college football playoff, which really is beyond his 
what he can control. He did as much as he possibly could. And so it's time for him to go get paid. You look at most mock drafts, and I think you'll find him somewhere at the end of the first round. And the same with Tyler Biotic. He just won the Remington Trophy for the nation's best center. Nothing left to prove. Those guys, it's almost like they need to go. You don't want to shove them out the door, but you sort of need to say, (laughs) get out. It's time. It's time. Um, Yeah, so I, I don't know if he actually knew. I guess it's irrelevant, but... We'll see. I think both are playing their final games come January 1st, and Wisconsin will be playing this final game of the 2019 season. Will they get to 11 wins, Jesse? I'm going to say yes. They are underdogs. I, I, I'm still going to say yes. And you know what I, I think is interesting is I was thinking about this this week. Let's say they won this game. They finish 11-3. and three. Where would you rank this team in the last 20 years since they last won the Rose Bowl uh, in your mind? So I put that up as a question, right? I put not I I did it team of the decade, but I think of all the teams the last twenty years, they would be two thousand six. I think probably ha- would be one that you would throw into the mix along with ten, eleven, uh, seventeen, seventeen, and then nineteen. And two thousand eleven overwhelmingly was the best in, in my poll was overwhelmingly the best team, and they were probably the most talented. They also lost three games. If they win this one, it. And someone said that, why don't you ask this question after January 1st? It'd be hard to sit here and say that they're not, but I just have, for for whatever reason, this entire year, maybe it's the Illinois game, I just have never looked at them in the same light as the 2010 team or the 2011 team. And I think those two teams are, it's like they've been colored through ro- you know, rose-colored lenses. Because of like, what a lot of those guys have done. Right, J.J. Watt was there, Russell Wilson was there, Monte Ball, like these transcendent names will look 50 years back and remember these guys. I would put, if they won this game, I would still put the 2017 team number one based on their accomplishments. I'm not, we know the 2011 offense is the greatest offense we've ever seen. Nine of the 11 starters became NFL draft picks, but that 2017, 2017 team went 13 and one, won a school record 13 games and then beat the nationally ranked Miami team in basically a road game in the orange bowl. And so I'll look at that team as number one. And then I think this team could make a case for number two purely because they would have won the Rose Bowl. And, and I, you know, they're playing a number six Oregon team that just destroyed Utah, which was trying to get into the, the college football playoff. But I understand 2010 and 2011 being in the conversation. They didn't win the Rose Bowl. And mm-hmm. I, I do think that that final game has significant sway over how you view these teams. And one other thing I wanted to mention is you talk about the loss to Illinois. I do think that clouds people's perspectives but 93 team lost to a bad minnesota team 99 team lost to a bad cincinnati team neither of those teams even went to bowls and i will say illinois finished six and six and went to a bowl game i know there's way more bowl games now but they're 500 and so just i'm throwing that in there for a little added perspective there have been rose bowl winning teams that had bad losses how dare you sir bring up 1993 how dare you Bad Minnesota team. They were. Uh, and Daryl Bevel was a bad quarterback that day through five interceptions, uh, which I believe is still, well, I don't know, but it's probably up there in terms of the most interceptions thrown in a single game. But um, the 93 team, I mean, if we're talking about uh, favorite teams of, of the last 30 years, that, that team will never be topped. You but be, your perspective of that team isn't diminished because they lost to a bad Minnesota no, team, beca- right? No, because they went ahead and they finished off, they won a Big Ten title, and they went and won the Rose Bowl. Would the game would have been different had UCLA scored on that final drive? And maybe you look at ninety three, the ninety three ninety four team a little bit different, possibly, um, but they didn't. And the Rose Bowl back then meant 
significantly more and because there was no other there was there was nothing else it was there was no national cha- there's real no true national championship game at that point so look the, the, the 2016 didn't lose to anybody outside of Michigan uh, that was the only right. i mean in Michigan was them and Ohio State were one two the entire year and without I mean, they they probably end up going to um i guess a quote unquote new year six game back then if if not for those two teams being where they were but. yeah other food for thought, I would say, like that team that went twelve and one, didn't beat a single ranked team yeah. during the regular season. The only ranked team they beat was Arkansas in in the bowl game. Yep. This Wisconsin team beat three teams that are in the top eighteen of the college football playoff. They bowl. Did. And if they beat Oregon, that's four ranked teams. Yeah, there's going to be so, an argument. There's 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 definitely an argument for this team. It's just a matter of overcoming yeah. the mental jump. And I, I would never consider the nineteen ninety nine team as a like one of the best teams. Even but, if even if it had as much talent as it did, like I yeah. would never point to that team. They overcame and they got a great quarterback effort from Brooks Bollinger from the from the Ohio State game on. Like that was that team was really talented. I mean, if you want to talk most talented teams, two thousand probably is the most talented, like the, as as talented as any team that they've ever had, and it didn't necessarily pan out that way. But accomplishment slash best slash most talented, this team probably is up there. Yeah, I think so. I, I do think that there's it's difficult to assess in the same way because while the Rose Bowl is still a big deal, it's the best bowl game you can play in without the playoff, it just it isn't the same. Wisconsin didn't even win the Big Ten, and Ohio State's playing in the college football playoff. So I, I think that's an added wrinkle. But again, they can win a Rose Bowl for the first time in 20 years and beat four ranked teams. I think that would be pretty darn special. It will be. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks, Zach. You've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Zach Halbrin here. Just adding this to uh, the episode as we had an opportunity to chat with Coach Paul Christ, offensive coordinator Joe Rudolph, and defensive coordinator Jim Leonard Wednesday morning after the uh, much of these signings came in. Got the chance to talk with them about the recruiting class, including the late edition of Caden Johnson's, which obviously Jesse and I did not get a chance to talk about because we recorded on Tuesday. So we had an opportunity to ask about him, among other things, including a little bit of the Rose Bowl talk as well. But here's those three guys. The first up, Paul Chris. The next would be Joe Rudolph. And the third would be Jim Leonard. Today is a good day in a lot of ways. Um, you know, good to be back practicing with the group and uh, still got a couple days with finals and then obviously uh, today being signing day added a, a number of guys that were, uh, were truly pumped that they're part of the program and, and think they had a, a tremendous amount of value. Well, based on numbers alone it appears that offensive line was a priority. What do you like about the group of linemen that you're bringing in? Yeah, I um, like a lot about it. You know, I think that because of the numbers, you know, you've got uh, there's different position flexibility in it and uh you know we weren't necessarily gonna you know you go into each year and and you want to get a certain amount but uh felt like it was really a really good year in in state certainly and um you know excited you know out of state who we added you know and it's uh i like the group a lot and and you can go all over the country you know we feel in, in evaluation that, that we had some really, really good ones right here at home. Everybody's different, linemen are different, but I know Barry used to like guys who were really good defensive linemen, who he felt that gave him an edge on offense. I know one or Barton, I think. Does that matter much to you, or is that something that you like? I think that you, I think I've always personally, I've loved, you know, just 
anything that they can do, you know, more than just one thing, right? Whether it's multi-sport, whether it's, you know, certainly when you're playing, you know, offense and defense. doesn't matter really what position. You know, you, you, you like seeing that. And, and I think, you know, we got some linemen that are athletic, uh, you know, basketball players. You know, anytime you find a wrestler, that's a good thing. Um, and, and, you know, and like you said, like Ben's, you know, they had a heck of a defense and he was part of it. Really, all those guys would probably have been really good high school defense alignment. Caden Johnson's a later commitment in this class. What did you like about him when you were recruiting him? Why did you feel like he'd be such a good fit? You know, Caden was when we were able to really, his recruiting, you know, we got in on it early and so really got to know him. I, I love kind of the makeup of who he is. And, um, you know, there again, you know, as a guy that's a heck of a football player, you, I went and watched him play basketball, and they got a heck of a team, and, and you know, he started on that for a while. But I think, you know, his personality, um, you know, obviously his athletic ability, I think he's a really good fit here. I'm guessing you don't care what other schools offer a kid you've identified Correct. as worth of coming here, but in some ways, is it encouraging when you get a kid and you know that schools A, B, C, and D Will you compete against on the field? you beat for him or not? Does that matter to you? I mean, I think it, what matters is that if you like a guy and you know he'd be a great fit, okay. you, you want to get him. Okay. And so, and a lot of those guys have other choices, right? Um, but no, it doesn't matter as far as who it is or who you beat, never been concerned about. We trust our evaluation, and, and that's trust our evaluation certainly what starts the process is their football ability and then it's you know who is this who's this person and how do they fit and when you get a guy that you think is certainly above the line athletically football player wise and then get around our players and you get to know him more and, and you say oh, this guy's a great fit here then then you get excited and then Try to work your tail off to get him here. Well, when you evaluated Caden up front, what did you like about his ability? Because that's an important position in this defense. It is, and, and feel like he's certainly got that combination of, of athleticism and strength, and you know, kind of his frame and his size now, and, and what it can be. Especially when, you know, that's one thing I, I like about when you recruit multi-sport athletes when they just get a chance to focus on football and the, and the training component of it. I think that he's uh, kind of that combination we look for. And, you know, Coach April spent a ton of time recruiting him. And, and part of that is, you, you know, you're always watching him and evaluating him. And, and the more, you, you know, that's what's neat about this whole group. The more you watch him, the more excited you get about him. What do you like about, oh, I'm sorry, about Jack Nelson? Jack's a, he's a, really him and Trey. It's kind of how you'd want to draw up what a tackle looks like yeah. and uh, you know Jack both are extremely athletic uh, it's been fun you know those were two guys we were on early and it's been fun to see kind of their their growth and their maturity and uh, you know Jack is, uh, again went and watched him play basketball he's athletic and uh, you watch him play football and he's got he knows how to get nasty and uh, I love his approach, like he, he truly wants to be the best player he could be. I know you were roommates with Jack's dad. How quickly or how soon did he call you or mail you about Jack and his ability to, to play football? You know, uh, Todd 
you know, they, they did a good job of kind of not pushing them to too many camps too early and all that. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, it was fun, you know, when you can start recruiting. It's, it takes a second, like, holy cow, you know, I guess we are getting a little bit older. You know, <laughs> their, their kids are coming. But, um, you know, I thought they did, the whole family did a good job of just because Todd went here, you know, they're going to let Jack figure it out. And, and uh, we're excited that he's coming here. Barry used to talk about the importance of building a wall around the state to make sure you have the best players in the state of Wisconsin. In your mind, how important is it for this program to go into other states and get some of the, the top talent from other programs that, as was mentioned before, you're competing against? Yeah, I mean, I think both are, are real, right? That You know, it does start for us. It does start, you know, in the state. And, you know, we've, we've had a lot of really good players come out here, maybe not as many numbers-wise, but we've had a lot of really good players. I think for Wisconsin to be its best, you gotta you get the best kids, you know, in state, and, and and yet that will never fill up a class. And so you've got to go out of state. And when you do, um, you know, you want to you want to get guys that are a great fit, and and you know, you end up doing what you're saying and taking you know some really good players. And, and so um, I think that's what feels good is when they come. I don't know if it's necessarily always oh, stole one from this state, right? It's not. It's not like that, you know. I mean, the recruiting's—it's a two-way street. You know, one side, the university has to identify it and hear this, and then it's got to fit for the kid. But uh, we're pumped about this group, you know, in-state and out-of-state kids. It's, it's December of nineteen, but I think you got some kids are committed pretty damn early in this cycle. Yeah. Did you have to do much hand-holding, or, or were you confident that those guys—they weren't going to flip, they weren't going to change their, their minds? You know, I think we certainly were confident in the commitments and, and kind of the way we go about it. We, you know, we're not going to just try to get a commitment to, to get one. We're going to, they feel real. And, and yet we also know that when you get a commitment, all right, that means you got a really good shot at getting them, right? You got to keep <laughs> recruiting them and, and keep working at it. But, you know, I think that if they go through the process in this, I guess is subjective, but the right way and pick the place for the right reasons, then I think there is less flipping. And in this group, I do feel like, you know, they did pick Wisconsin for the right reasons. Maybe a little bit different for each kid, right? It's, it's, it's individual, but um, felt really good about the group and, and, you know, have. You know, when kids commit, you, you feel like, all right, and you get a sense of it. And, you know, we've had other commitments where you know it's, okay, we're one of five, right? But these ones, and, and really a great, great number of them, when they commit, you feel like it's just that. It's truly commitment. And, and then you, you keep working and, and, and make sure. And even now, you got them signed, Dave. It's not over, right? And this is it's just beginning. Well, it seems as though you addressed a lot of positions of need in this class. Uh, I think one that may not have been addressed yet would be running back. In your mind, how important is it to spend the next couple months leading into February to find uh, someone at that position to fill a, a important role? Yeah, I think it's... Um, I think you'll continue. We'll continue to uh, to work at it, but don't feel like, boy, we have to do it. it, it he's got to be the right fit. I think his film is what really stood out. Explosive, um, made plays easy, separation, 
um, that was exciting to see. And then, and then, and then Seth and Coach Gilmore went in and just uh, just did the research and just tried to find out does he fit us, does he match who we are, and um, really enjoyed meeting him and his mom and they came up on their official and you know the accolades came back in, in a huge way and thought that he will bring a ton to this program so I'm excited about that one. You guys addressed a lot of positions and positions of need in this class uh, the one that you don't have yet would be running back as you get toward the February signing day how much time will you guys put into do you feel you need to have a running back in this class? Yeah, um, I think I think Coach Seth's grinds on it, man, and, and um, he's smart and he's on top of it, and he's working his butt off, and, and we all are in, in pushing to, to make uh, that happen. And yet, I think we got some good. I like our room, and I like the flexibility we have with the incoming class, and so I think we have some good options. But but there's no question that'll be the emphasis in the last half of uh, recruiting here. You look at your offensive line class, a ton of talent coming in with you know, a handful of guys. What kind of stands out about some of those guys that maybe you end up playing on the interior like Ben and some of the other guys? Um, you want me to talk about each one of those guys? I mean, just a handful if you could. Okay, sure. Um, uh, I think, one, I, I think all of them have the, the attributes that you love to find. Um, they're really big. <laughs> no. They're really athletic. They're, they're great athletes for their size. Um, really smart kids, incredible work ethic, and um, I think they have outstanding character around them. I think they're guys that want to develop, know how to get better, and will do those things. And, and um, you know, Trey and Jack saw those guys early on and, and saw their development and, you know, felt, felt like they were pretty prototypical guys that you are really excited about having in your state and getting a part of things and then um uh dylan barrett was a young man who came up to camp and just did an awesome job in camp really stood out um and so getting to kind of see his progression from camp to that junior year to you know what i mean really really helped me in evaluating him and excited about him because of those characteristics and then you know, uh, Ben Barton came and did camp as a D-line and then came back and did camp as an O-lineman. And you're like, okay, man, this guy loves ball. Yeah, come back to camp in three days. Sure, yeah, okay, coach. You know what I mean? And you love that about him. And, and I love his development, the, the, what he's been able to experience. I love he plays both sides of the ball and plays basketball and does all that. I think he's got a ton of upside, and I'm excited for him for all those reasons. And then Tanner Bordellini isn't far from that. Came to camp two years before. Really, he's a young kid, young birthday, and, and um, boy, you saw this great development as we went to see him in the, in the spring and, and um, you know, playing hoops and doing everything at the school kind of fit all those same attributes that you hope to find. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about that group. Sounds like Cole Dokovich will come in at tight end. Yes. He and Cam Large, what, can you evaluate what you like about each of those guys? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Cole was was the first one that we saw, and Cole just stood out. You know, uh, there were some good players at that school, so we were recruiting hard and got great evaluation, great great communication through the coaching staff. And Cole just stood out as a basketball player, football player. You know, he was kind of in between the two for a little bit, and I just think he fits that position extremely well. I like his ability to make plays on the ball, big physical guy at the point. So. Um, thought that was huge. And then Cam Large, you know, here's this young man out of Massachusetts, comes up on a visit. Coach Turner does a great job of, uh, of recruiting him. And he's got a lot of things going on, so you weren't, you weren't really sure. And, um, you know, the reason why we always say, like, like attracts like. He came here, got around the guys, and wanted to be part of what they're a part of. And I think he saw himself in them. And so, uh, so really excited about those two and what they'll bring to that room.
Joe Jack Cone, how have you seen him evolve throughout this season for us? Uh, I, I would say the biggest thing for Jack is uh, I, I, I see him continuing to evolve because what's at his core. And um, I think that is a uh, it is a great demeanor. You know, I mean, he is locked in. He is solid in his progression. Doesn't get too high or too low after regardless of any game. Um, he just has a steadiness to him that I think he's really leaned on and he's used that as a uh, as a support for him to keep growing. And I, I really think we've all become accustomed to that to that type of approach in him and, and gives us a lot of confidence in him. Quintez took a year off and then does what he did this year. Uh, how impressive is it what he's been able to accomplish after taking a year off of football? Um, I'll be honest, I don't know if, if there's many kids anywhere that could do that. I think that's a speaks to his character. I think it speaks to him as a person. Um, he, he, he had a great mindset, and um, I think that's hard to do. I think it's hard in life not to get bitter or to get angry or to get upset and, and let all those factors affect your actions. And I think he did a great job of staying positive and taking everything as things he can learn from and grow from. And I think because of that approach, um, he hit the field, and he, he was further ahead than you could imagine him being. And so to see the success he's had, is, uh, I'm, I'm really happy for him. It's not often you stay in state to find a, a wide receiver and offer scholarships. Yeah. Jim Ray is one of those guys. What stands out about him, and why did you guys decide that this is the guy? I'll be honest, everything stood out about Jim. I, I went there with Coach Herring. He loved him. He's saying, I want you to come see this guy. I'm, I'm pumped about him. And, Man, by the time I walked out of the school hearing everyone talk about him, watching film, going through things, I'm like, shit, I love him too, man. Like, this, it was all a conference and four different sports. And, like, man, I'm like, I don't know if there's anything he can't do. So I'm excited. You know, he'll be in at the midyear. I think that'll give him a great opportunity to, uh, to impact this place. But whenever he does make the impact, he surely will. I, you know, really excited about him and his future here. You guys listen as an athlete. Is he going to play wide receiver for you guys? Or? Well, we hope he's an athlete, regardless <laughs> of what position he plays. Sure, I, I'd probably be wide receiver, but I'm not sure. Like I said, we do have some flexibility in the group, which is which is awesome. That's what you want. We've had some great players that played. Owen Daniels was the QB, right? Like he ended up being a pretty good tight end, and, and you know you can go through it. People were recruiting John Clay as a defensive end, and he was a pretty good running back. You know, like so, you never know. And and uh, but the flexibility part's good. But that's that's what we're thinking. Joe, once it sunk in for Tyler, he really couldn't believe he won the Remington. What was your reaction when you found out that he won that award? Um, you know, I, I see the work that he puts in. I know what he got through all through the offseason to be ready for this year. And there's a lot of guys that could take different approaches to, towards working through um, injury, through working through when you're not feeling your best. And, man, to see him rewarded for for – at the end of really displaying all those attributes day in and day out is pretty cool. So I was happy for him big time. Joe, kid like Jack Nelson to sign him and then also to see him enroll early, graduate early from high school. What does that show about him as a kid that he's so eager to get started here that he's going to get here early? Um, I always say this, you know, like kids are all different. I always think if there's a minute that they're, they feel like they're going to miss what they're a part of and stay in, then you should stay. And then there's some guys that just flat out know that they're ready to take the next step and it, it, and it needs to happen now. And, and um, Jack was one of those. And so um, I, I think it's awesome. I think it's great that he's getting here. I think he'll be locked in and excited during spring ball. And, and I think it was the right decision for him. And for those reasons, I'm excited for him to be here.
one peek ahead question. Uh, yeah. Oregon, you're, you're going to be facing one of the better defenses in the country. What have you seen in your early review of their, their film? Um, I, I, biggest thing that stands out to me is, uh, you know, I, I think one they do a great job with their with, with their multiplicity and their in their coverages and their fronts. Um, they they can create a, a lot of chaos for you and a lot of issues just through identification and schematics. Um, athletically, uh, they're as good as anyone at getting off blocks and making tackles. I think that stands out, um, whether it be in the front seven or in the secondary, and then their ability to turn the ball over. You know, they've done a great job of, of forcing turnovers, especially with interceptions. So, you know, I, you could see why they're as ranked as they've had as much success as they have. What do you remember about that last meeting with Oregon? It's like a racetrack, freaking back and forth. And, uh, you know, um, it, you know, th- th- this game's an awesome game. And to be a part of that is, is huge. And I just... I just remember doing everything to be at our best. And that's what you want to do this year. You want these guys to, biggest thing is you let them know every last step of it is worth it because what you're going to remember is how you play the game. That's what you're going to remember, and you want to play it great. And so that's why today's like today, this morning's an awesome morning. You know, like every step of the way, you want to use it to kind of get yourself ready to roll. Why have you guys been such a good ball team? Um, I, I think, I think, coach just takes a great uh i think i think he takes a great direction has a great plan with it um i think the kids really trust in that plan and the way he lays it out i think that there's a constant communication here towards improving you're not all you're not looking to maintain or be as good as you were in this game or that game you're always just trying to get better and that is a constant flow of what you got to be here and I think that's helped us in, in the bowl games that we've played. Now, whether it helps us in this one or not, I don't know, because we haven't yet done all the work we need to do to be better or to make that jump. But that's that's why I think we've had success, and that's what we need to keep doing. Have you guys closed the door and bringing in a quarterback in February, or is there some potential? The door is never closed around here, okay? We just said we're working to get better. No, no I, you know what? A lot of things can happen here in the end, and, and um, I'd be the last one to say that anything's closed off. Um, we felt really good about that position, and um, that, that's why we progressed the way we have to this point, but, but hard to say there anything's off the table. Uh, we love Caden and his athleticism. You know, he does a lot of things on the football field for his team, and um, he's our type of guy, man. Great, great attitude, um, very versatile. You know, basketball player as well. So, we love what he brings to the table from a physicality standpoint and an athleticism um, standpoint. We think he can be a great leader in this locker room. When Barry was here. He talked a lot about the building the wall around the state here. In your mind, when you're going out recruiting, how important is it for this program to go get some of the best players? Uh, in other states, especially against programs you're competing against in the Big Ten. Yeah, that's always a part of it. You know, we're proud of what we are recruiting. We know we have to be great in the Midwest, right? And we, we are a national program recruiting, and we'll go anywhere for, for talent. And when we go outside of the area, the biggest thing is, is doing your homework on who these kids are, right? Are they going to fit this culture? Why are they going to come in this locker room and, and be dynamic leaders for us on top of just being playmakers? So um, we're very, 
you know, fortunate that, that we've had the success outside of the Midwest. Uh, we, we love what we've done and we've got some talented guys, but we've also got some, some really good leaders and really good guys. Uh, understand the culture of what this place is and, and how they're going to make it better. With how much success you guys have had an outside linebacker in terms of producing guys that go to the NFL, do you guys play that up on the recruiting trail at all? Do you, is it yeah, I mean, you, I, use? you use what you got, right? Yeah. It'd be like telling a running back, uh, you know, we're, we're okay running the ball. <laughs> you know, yeah, we've had a lot of success defensively and, and obviously very dynamic playmakers at the outside linebacker position. So it is something where we feel like we can go in and, and compete with any school you know just because of what we what we provide that group and and how dynamic they are in our defense so we we love the way we can approach you know a lot of positions on our defense but obviously that outside linebacker position did, did that play out with nick herberg and, and with caden at all we got them so <laughs> um I, I guess so they're they're great kids man we we really really like this class as a whole you know and defensively obviously we we got some really talented players that um you know we're, we're fired up about and it's always exciting when you get to this day. A lot of time, you know, this is a huge decision for these guys. You know, coaches, we go through this every year. They get one opportunity to to make one of the biggest decisions of their life. So you're always excited when, when the class comes together. And it's impressive in today's day and age just to see how quickly this group gets really close. And by the time they step on campus, you know, they, they create a great bond and with coaches and with players, current players. Um, so it's a lot of fun to get to this day. Jim, Caden had a lot of choices, obviously, like some guys do. At what point did you feel, okay, A, we're in good shape, and then B, yeah, we do that? I, I think we, we knew we, we had a great opportunity. You know, we knew how he felt about us. We didn't necessarily know how he felt about everybody else, which, um, which is okay. That's, that's fine. Um, I felt great this morning when we found out. Because um, we, you know, you, you create great relationships with these guys, and you wish them the best. You hope they're Badgers. We're very biased, right? In the recruiting process, um, everyone we get is great, and when they don't choose us, we're not very happy about it. But um, you wish kids best. Though, I mean, when you get to this point in the process with anybody, you really are all in on who that kid is, right? And and the structure they have, and what you can provide them, and and what uh, the opportunity is going to be here. And and you feel, I mean. You, you get disappointed um, when they choose elsewhere, but you understand. Like, it's a huge um, opportunity for these kids, and um, you know, that's why you know, we're, we're glad once you find out who's, who's here because you feel very strongly about that entire class. Obviously, the physical ability in Caden is, is pretty obvious, but how long did it take you guys to realize that the other things you want, the fit in that, were there that would make that a good impression? Uh, we were obviously fortunate to have him on campus a number of times, so you really get to spend time and, and find out who who he is. And um, you love the family, you love the, the team aspect of what he does athletically, like I said, on the basketball court and, and things like that. So, um, I mean, it doesn't take very long. You know, it, it was you, know, you felt really good after meeting him the first time and going, "Wow, like yeah, he, he'd be a great fit," and, and he really matches what we do and personality wise he's he would have a great opportunity here to to flourish and uh, i think we assigned a couple other kids in that class but we'll keep talking about him if we have to can you evaluate some of your, your other linebackers with malik and, and jordan as well what stands out about those guys how can they contribute um yeah malik and, and jordan two different type of players malik is is extremely powerful you know from a physical standpoint 
Um, he's not going to have a huge adjustment uh, coming coming to Wisconsin. Um, extremely strong, understands football, um, locked in. You know, get opportunity to watch his tape. He is he is locked in every play. Um, Jordan Turner is a dynamic player. You know, love what he can do physically and, and a great leader on his team. Um, he makes plays all over the field, and I don't know if we can talk about Herbie yet. I don't think that one's come through, but. Um, you know, we just love the versatility. Aaron Witt is a guy that can do so many things. You know, he's just scratching the surface and um, love what he's going to be able to do and, and provide some flexibility for us um, as a staff. You know, what's what's his best fit? And we really like um, that linebacker group and how it how it shaped up and how it complements how they complement each other. Jim, switching gears a little bit, your defense this year. What have you seen as the evolution of your squad this unit? Um. I think starting out early in any year, you're always trying to find out who those playmakers are going to be. And you know, to see what Zach Bond has done from day one, really till the last snap of, of Ohio State and Chris Orr, kind of what he's done from a playmaking standpoint. Um, we found out early those guys were, were going to be dynamic for us, and you're just trying to, to find ways to get them involved in every game plan. Um, you know, from a defensive line standpoint, I think the physicality has been great. You know, we've we've done such a, a good job eliminating the run game in a lot of weeks, um, and really letting our DBs focus on on covering guys. And that group has grown up a lot. The experience from a year ago, um, they've taken a, a big stride forward um, from a production standpoint. So, um, you know, beginning of the year, you are just trying to figure out exactly who that group is when when they're playing in front of eighty thousand. And I, and I like how they've responded. Um, early in the year and I like how they've responded to adversity and, and that's you give them a lot of credit for how we played down the stretch in November to, to get us in the Big Ten Championship and put a really good team on the ropes um, unfortunately we couldn't finish that one which which is frustrating on, on all accounts but uh, you give this group a lot of credit for how they rally around each other and, and how they work on a day-to-day basis Speaking of evolution how have you changed since day one year one as defensive coordinator to this moment? Uh, I had a lot of growth um, just as far as understanding football, understanding how, how teams try to attack us and um, just from coaching and motivation and, and leadership and what I need to provide this program, what I need to provide this team. Um, I take a lot of pride in, in studying myself and talking to a lot of people and um, it's been a fun journey for myself um, and I think that helps helps this group out. You know, me being better than I was when I stepped on and, and called the first play is, is huge for this program. You mentioned before that Wisconsin is a, a national brand, can recruit nationally. Since you've come back as a coach, do you think Wisconsin has taken some steps forward in recruiting in terms of the, the caliber of players that this program is starting to get and build in each class? Um, I, I think so. You know, I, I think from an athletic standpoint, I, I love where we're at as a program. And I said we haven't comp- – we will not compromise – the locker room and the culture and what we're trying to build, how we're trying to build these guys on and off the field. Um, we're never going to compromise that, but I like what we've done nationally. When I said we are very selective when we go national, right? We, we know the type of kid we want. We know um, the skill set that they must have, but we know the, the person, right? We, we need to bring them in a locker room and, you know, have them provide a little bit different energy, right? A little bit different um, skill set and at times and, We've, we're very selective in, in when we go outside of the area to get kids. Tim, a rules cool question for you. Your senior year, you guys were one victory away, I think. Thanks there. for the reminder. <laughs> I'm sure you do remember. 
is it is it a little special for you to, to get there for your first time as a coach? I mean, being a state kid, and I'm sure that whole still holds a lot of sway for you. For sure. I mean, obviously the you know the the landscape of college football's changed as far as the bowls go since I played, but. I mean, growing up, that's all you heard about, right? That was the best of the best going to the Rose Bowl. So not having an opportunity to, to go there as a player, um, it, it definitely hurt because that's, that's what you grow up on. And having an opportunity to go as a coach, and I mean, it's unbelievable how many people have reached out just talking about the experience that, that I'm going to have going out there and that this team is going to have. Uh, it's definitely going to be special. You know, it's, it's one of those games you never missed growing up. Like you, I don't care if you watched every bowl game or, or – cherry picked which ones you watch you never miss the rose bowl so um, it's going to be exciting to go out there and have this experience there's just one guy in max coming for the secondary is that just a factor of how young you guys are in that group right now yeah for sure um he he compliments that group really well love what he does man he's a great kid and you know physically he can run he's got great length and um He's a great leader, champion. You know, he's he's a, a champion at the high school level, and you can never get enough of those kids in your programs. So, I'm excited for Max, and yeah, we do have a young group, uh, still a young group. Even two years ago, when I said they were a young group, we're still young. Um, but I like the way that that group's going to develop, and, and he's going to jump right into the mix. With the defensive line, what do you see from Cade was extremely impressive coming to camp. Um, you know, great size, great physicality, um, just continues to get better. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch him play throughout the course of the season and just um, in every area just continuing to, to develop. And uh, we're excited to get him in the program. And same with, with James Thompson, um, great leader for that program. You know, led, that, led his high school team back to the playoffs for, for the first time in a while. So um, great leader, great personality. Um, really had a great visit and, and when you sat down with him um, you realize what he's going to be able to provide from an energy standpoint to to that d-line room and he said he's just scratching the surface and, and going to continue to get better one more peek ahead question uh, oregon's quarterback what kind of a challenge is that to face a guy obviously he's one of the top pro prospects yeah extremely impressive um what they ask him to do right the the amount that they put on the quarterback's shoulders as far as um, getting him in and out of the right run plays and, and what he does in the pass game. You know, physically, he's, he can make every throw, and, and he should put that on tape. There's a reason he's as highly regarded as, as he is nationally, and um, it's, it's fun to watch him orchestrate an offense, and unfortunately, we got to find a way to try to stop him.